0: Hey, what's up, fam? PC here checking in. Hope everybody's doing well. Doing something a little bit different on this episode. Had the opportunity to connect with my good buddy, Phil Boyd. Phil hosts a podcast called School Culture by Design. If you don't follow it already, I guarantee you that you're going to after you listen to this conversation. Check it out, y'all. What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room podcast series.
1: Hey, hey, friends listening, this is kind of fun for me to be on School Culture by Design, but um, a while back I heard a couple buddies do a simulcast where they did a podcast on two podcasts at the same time. So I called up my buddy Phil Campbell of the Green Room and said, hey, what do you think? And Phil, what did you say? I said, I'm in, man.
0: Tell me when and where. All right. So Phil, you're coming from what, Minneapolis? Is that where you live now? Coming from Minneapolis, yes. Been here for almost a year now. How did you get in this? I
1: know Renaissance is where you work. You're with Jostens. Tell us a little about that story. What's the, what's the
0: Phil Campbell Renaissance story? Well, you know, it's a crazy journey when I look back and I think about it. When I graduated from college, I was an agriculture major. Um, that, I just had this huge fascination with that. My grandparents both worked on a farm, a huge farm um, in rural Iowa. And so that kind of planted that seed. And as life has a way of doing right, I ended up eventually becoming a teacher and um, a teacher and a baseball coach. So I coached baseball for a long time and then I got out of coaching and started working my way towards administration. And along that route, during that journey, we started using Jostens Renaissance in our school had a tremendous, tremendous impact on, our young men, young women in, in our school had a tremendous impact on the educators in our school. And we just had a lot, a lot of success with it. And so that led to the opportunity now to where I, I get to do following your footsteps and travel around and work with educators and with student leaders on culture and climate. And how can we make sure that everyone has a place on the campus where they feel like they belong? Yeah. So you said baseball coach. So who's your team? Who do you root for? I am an Atlanta Braves fan. Um, I grew up in near Nashville, Tennessee. And yeah. my, my dad is from the Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, and so ten, obviously Nashville isn't very far from Atlanta. And then with him being from there, like I grew up and I, and I grew up in the bad times in in the eighties, um, with Dale Murphy. and Yes. Terry yes. yes <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the ugly years. And then we had the golden years, of course, in the nineties, um, yeah. and, and into the two thousands. And then it went down a little bit again and now we are we're back in the saddle yeah. a little bit now, but, yeah. uh, That's cool. I'm, I'm hoping we get to see some baseball this year, you know, Yeah, that's awesome. Man, when you said yes, I
1: thought, how much fun would it be for our listeners to hear you and I kind of go back a little bit. Those of you that don't know me, my background was got my teaching credential, um, Paradise High School, those of you that know Town of Paradise, it burned down a couple years ago. It was a great place to learn to teach and then went into the speaking thing and after a few years, I had an opportunity to create Link Crew. One of my clients said, hey, man, could you do that magical stuff you do with leadership? for our freshman orientation. And out of that came the whole link crew concept. I worked with that until our friends and employees and partners, Carolyn, Maribeth, and Micah said, hey, we wanna expand internationally. And I said, go for it. So they bought us out, created a boomerang project. And then we started doing breaking down the walls, started doing a lot of school culture work. I wrote the book School Culture by Design about five years ago. And um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have our next book out called 100 Conversations about creating amazing culture. And so that's, uh, you know, that's, and I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, some of you might have known when I lived in California, we raised our kids there. But uh, one of our kids moved to North Carolina, one to New York and one to Boulder, Colorado. And we're like, hmm. We went on the map and said, all right, so we moved here a couple years ago, and we are loving it. So, uh, Phil, you and I ran into each other at just random conferences over the years and developed a great friendship. And so I was thinking, man, if I could just get Phil on the podcast and go back and forth. So I think here's the question everybody has on their mind. How do you get kids connected virtually? We may be on computers in the fall, at least warming up to it. So I thought I'd ask you first, man, how do we do that? How do we make connections with kids virtually?
0: You know, I think that's the million dollar question right now, Phil. And what does school look like when we go back to school this fall? And, you know, I think the truth is if we had answers to that, um, we could write an unbelievable book, you know, to go on top of the new one that's coming out here in a couple of weeks, which I'm super excited. I didn't know it was coming out that soon. So... I am beyond excited to, to get my hands on that and to read that. Cause I just love, love, love the first one as well. You know, it's, a, it's a crazy world that we're living in right now in, in terms of education. And I think that the one thing that all schools or I hope that the one thing that all schools realize that they need right now are those relationships. And if there was a good time for a pandemic to hit, I think that the best time for it to hit was when it did at the end of the school year because our teachers at least had the opportunity to foster those relationships for those first seven, eight, nine months of the school year, depending on when your school year starts. Whereas we're going into this fall now. And if it is a distance learning, remote learning environment, our teachers don't have that same opportunity with that face to face interaction to establish those relationships. Uh, My son Brooks, he's going into the fifth grade and there's a great chance that his teacher is going to have no idea who he is. And so what is he or she going to do to create that bond? I think personally, Phil, I think that social media is going to play a huge role, um, especially from the middle school to the, to the high school level kids. I I think that I place a lot of value on social media before this hit. I think now even more so, because that's where all of our kids are. That's where we are as adults um, as well. And so I think it's just so important that we are connecting with our kids on social media. You can learn so much about, who's doing what, who's dating, who, who's upset, who's happy, who's this, who's that. Um, because even adults, we post everything on social media. You know, I'm going to the movies, I'm eating this for supper, or whatever. And kids do the same thing. And I always knew I was friends with so many kids on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But on Facebook, it was so important to me that I could see what was going on in my kids' lives because I would have my thumb on the pulse of what was going on and if there was a kid that was upset with another kid and they were talking about the next day at school what was going to happen guess who was there waiting for them when they got off the bus that morning right and i wouldn't have known that without social media and so to me i think that's going to be a huge huge role in establishing and cultivating these relationships is being able to connect with our kids on on social media
1: so let's imagine you're a principal that was your last role before you jumped into this role with justins um let's say I'm a teacher, not a principal. But as a teacher, I got 150 kids at a high school. How do I use social media that way? Um, the reason I say it, because what you said, a superintendent told me the same thing. He said he just scans Twitter, Instagram in the evening. He said, I'm watching TV kind of glad. He said, a while back, they'd had a student die on a Friday evening driving accident or something. Sunday night, he happened to scan that the student said, Monday morning, let's be to school early, and let's do a memorial in the parking lot for this kid. Well, he called the principal real quick said, have you heard about this? No. He said, well, if that happens, our, our parking is so congested, the parents coming through the bus loop to drop kids off, if they do that memorial where they're talking about it, it's going to be a mess. He said, so we got there at 5 in the morning. We set up cones, set up an area, and the kids were able to do what they needed to do, and it didn't damage the traffic flow. And so what you just said is huge. But the question is, how is it manageable? How is it reasonable for a teacher to be in contact with social media with their students? Any thoughts?
0: I think, and I always suggest this to schools as well, if you don't have a school-wide social media account for each platform, you need to have one by the end of the day today, whenever that is that you're listening to this thing, Um, because that's a centralized location. And so then that's a clear path of communication from a school perspective. And so what I see a lot of schools do feel that are successful with social media is a teacher tweets something out. I, I tweet something out about what's happening in my class tomorrow, um, then that school wide account is gonna retweet it and, and share it out with other people as well. And so that really helps to aid in that communication. If I've got 150 kids, am I going to be able to feasibly communicate? You know, are all 150 gonna see every single thing that I post? No, they're not. Um, but if we can create those networks and we can also include an important aspect of this is let's include their adult supporters as well. And let's connect with those people because then if the young man, young woman doesn't see it. Maybe their parent will see it. Maybe that adult supporter would see it as well. And then could say, Hey Brooks, did you know that, you know, so-and-so is doing this tomorrow. You have this event going on on Monday morning at school, Um, whatever the case may be just to try to get that reach as as far out there as you can.
1: Well, I think, um, I think so many times we go back to at school, but if school in the fall may be virtual school, then, for kids to know, oh, there's an option. Some of you have seen these virtual spirit weeks going on, and some schools they've worked great, some schools they haven't worked so great. Brent Dixon posted the other day, he got the idea from Kristen Patton in California, he's in Calgary, he said, my kids loved it. Well. That's how the adults are sharing ideas, but kids are too. And so if all of a sudden a kid says, hey, did you hear about it? did you hear?" It's getting those messages going. Another thought that goes through my mind, Phil, is I think on every campus, there are some people that are more engaged social media-wise than others. And if the adults will have an agreement, hey, if you see something that maybe the rest of us should be thinking about, We do that when we're in a lunchroom or passing each other in the halls, but imagine if the adults on your campus have access to each other and someone says, Ooh, I wonder if he heard that. Or she knows that. Boom. They send him a message because like you may have been on social media from 7 to 8 PM and you put it away. And at 830, something comes across that somebody's parent has died or got sick or something. So I think that the more the adults share information, and And I think some of the leadership people that might be listening to this, a lot of your kids are connected, so if that information comes to them through you, then you can spit it back out to the appropriate adult
0: that's so true and and I think you know my mind immediately i, I kind of flash back to when I was in the schoolhouse and how exhausting it can be you know because it is it's almost twenty four hours a day because a lot of our our teenagers, especially they're up until two a m three a m four a m and nobody wants to get that phone call at, at that time of, of night. Right. Um, and it's tough because yeah, how do you shut it off? Um, you know, cause it's easy to say, yeah, okay. At five o'clock today when I leave the office or I leave the school, I, I'm done with work, but we all know when it means so much to us on a personal level that you, you can't just turn it off. And so how do you have that balance there? And I, I think along those lines, one of the things that I was thinking about, as we were talking earlier this week and then through your discussion there, there are some of our kids that either aren't on social media or they don't have access to, to the Wi-Fi, to the technology, to be able to do those things. And so then, you know, a lot of people talk about the ghosts on your campus. How do we make sure those young men, young women who who would fall into that category of being a ghost, especially right now in this remote learning distance learning environment, How do we make sure that we can connect with those kids?
1: It's funny when you say the word ghost, because one of the issues around ghosts is these kids who a teacher has worked for days to create this amazing lesson plan. And then the students ghost her, ghost him. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's just when people just don't show up. Like they say, I'm going to be there, but they don't show up. So that's There's another thought I get with ghosts. I was speaking at a school in San Diego, and at lunch, this guy joined us for lunch, 25 people. He is at one end. I was at the other end of the table, and after it was over, he was gone. I said, who who's that? They said, oh, that's Joseph. He's our custodian. I said, oh, cool. I'm glad you guys invited him there. Like, one lady says, yeah, but she goes, he told us sometimes he feels like a ghost at our school because he's everywhere and nobody sees him. And it really struck me to who were the ghosts at our school. And as I've shared that in my district keynotes, my school keynotes, I've had so many people come up to me. uh, I'm the ghost at our school. What's your role? Well, I I'm the speech therapist. I'm all over campus, but nobody knows me, or I'm the cafeteria lady. I'm not the one up front running the register Everybody knows. I'm just the one moving the bread back and forth, or, you know, I'm the night custodian. And I realized that who's checking in on those people. And, um, one of my friends who's a principal of a large school, 3,200 kids, he said at first he thought he would do that. But he says, I realized that if I only have 20 people that would consider themselves ghosts, I don't have a chance. So he talked to his admin team, counselors, a couple other people. And he said, Hey guys, let's split this list up. And they put the names out there. And then they added a couple more that people were aware of. And they said, I'll take these three, I'll take these four. And He said it was really cool because they were taking people that were easy for them to find because they were on their side of the campus. Number two, they already had a bit of a relationship with them. And I thought, how cool was that? Now you think, what about the kids or the ghosts? The ones who, I talked to one school, they have 1,800 kids. And at one point, they were already a Chromebook school. But a month into this distance learning, they have 700 kids that not once had ever signed in. And I saw a principal on principals for principals the other day who said, how do we find those kids? We've tried with their administrator, their teacher, their counselors. And I got to believe with this pandemic, some of them actually have moved. They're now living with mom or dad somewhere else, or maybe their family had to move and they're somewhere and maybe they've transferred schools. But I think the idea that you brought up feels brilliant to say, who are they and is there a way for us to find them?
0: It's so powerful. And, and I've actually seen some principals and their staff drive door to door to go and try to track down some of these young men, young women and see if they can make contact with them that way. And, and I love the point that you make. And I think it's so powerful. A lot of times we think about, especially as the the rock star educators, the rock star administrators that are listening to these types of, of podcasts, we think about our kids on our campus that are ghosts, but there are adults on our campus that are ghosts as well. And I always share with people like we can't be the champion for every single kid. We can't be the champion for every single adult. And so we have to build, we have to cultivate that culture to where people are intentionally looking for those people who aren't plugged in, who aren't included. And you know, this, you can go stand um, in a cafeteria for five minutes. You can go stand if it's in California and Arizona, then they eat outside. I can stand outside in their eating areas for five minutes and I can see the kids who aren't plugged in. it's that easy and you can do the same thing in staff meetings you know when you're you're doing a professional development with 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 educators you can see just like that those educators that don't feel like they're connected that don't feel like they're a part of the culture and the fabric of that school
1: here's another thought i had with that phil is you you brought it up the rock stars who are listening to this and those of you that are listening i'm going to ask you to take care of yourself. Cause we have this assumption, something that you wouldn't know, but before Phil and I started this podcast, we agreed to be on at a certain time. We probably talked for 15 minutes to check in. Cause I truly believe in people before professionals. And it would be really easy to say, Oh, Phil Boyd or Phil Campbell, those guys are always healthy and happy, but Hey guys, we're on this roller coaster too. And I think that each of you listening right now, if you're honest, you have some emotional roller coaster. Your, your income might be secure. Your job might be secure, but what your job represents is not. How you're going to go back, and like someone posted, no matter how we go back, we're going to get criticized. No matter how we go back, if we start in August, people will say that was too early, too late. If we do it large group, small group every other day, um, and, and there's some stress. I mean, I went to the grocery store, and – You know, a mask was irrelevant there. They weren't worried about that. So that was one stress that wasn't on. But every other stress was there. Like, they had you going up the aisle, down the aisle. And then you made a mistake. You're like, can I back up this aisle? And I came out a half hour later. and I told Lori, I said, I was so stressed out going to the grocery store. Well, and I'm pretty low stress, dude. And I've been doing the grocery store my whole life. And I was like, oh, man. Now, think about this. Let's say you're a mom or a dad and you got three kids whether they're in the car because they're middle school kids on their phones or they're little ankle biters and they're with you and you stop and go, and now we got to go back to school. And we're wanting our kids going to school. So Phil, I think that two things I would encourage the rock stars to do. Number one, find a way to get centered, whatever that is. And and I I do it in water. I do it with my friends. Um, Whatever your way is to get centered, be so intentional. The second thing is, Reach out to people. Don't wait for them to reach out to you and then tell them you need to talk. Yesterday, one of my friends, his daughter was in an accident a while back, broke her leg, broke her jaw, her nose, her arm broken in three places. I mean, it's serious. It's going to be months of recovery. Well, she's in his living room now. And he was an empty nester, he and his wife. And now this child is in a bed in their living room. You never get away from that. I said, How are you taking care of yourself? He said, My wife isn't, and I am, and she's just about ready to break down he says, I've been out riding my bike. I've been doing these things. And he calls, and says, I need to talk. And that's what, so those of you that are listening that are really strong people, take care of you. Call that person. Would you please just let me talk for a little while? And they will, they will. They'll be happy that you called because if, if the strong people are healthy and strong, we'll be okay. But man, if we start breaking down, it's going to be real rough.
0: Isn't that the truth? You know, and Outside of this pandemic, when I'm working with educators, how do you prevent teacher burnout? And for me, I tell them I always have something every single month that I'm looking forward to on my calendar. Um, whether that's going to Disney world, whether it's going on a kayaking trip, whatever the case may be, but I always have something where I know it's just me and, or me and my family that I'm looking forward to. And I think that's important now more than ever. And even though I can't go to Disney world, I can't go to the Braves game, right? Um, there are still things that I can do, whether that's go outside and run every day, whether it's going to walk with my family, um, whether it's go kayaking or go just drive for an hour and listen to music that we like to listen to, whatever the case may be. But it's so important, like you said, that I've got to have my cup full because I always say that you can't love others with a broken heart. And so we've, we've got to take care of ourselves. And, and to echo on what you said as well, make sure you're reaching out to those people that even on the outside, they look like they have it all together, right? Because we all have struggles. We all have had moments in these last two months, three months where we don't know what the what the future holds. Sometimes we don't know what that day holds, you know, and it's so important that we're we're there that we're reaching out that we're connecting and how's it going you know what are you watching on netflix what are you looking forward to just to keep those wheels spinning in the minds keep that positive mojo flowing
1: and i think the question how are you doing isn't always the easiest question to answer most of us say fine cuz we're like all right but to ask a different question there's actually you can google questions to ask and you can come up with some but I like to ask someone just, Hey, you know, I've been in the conversation a minute or two and then just easy to say, Hey, Phil, what's something you've been struggling with yesterday when I was talking to that guy, I said, so how do you deal with it when you're really down? He goes, what? He wanted me to say it again to make sure I was serious. I said, when you're going through something hard, your daughter's had a bad night. You didn't get much sleep. The bedpan spilled. How? What? And he goes, Oh my gosh. And just pours out of him. Well, imagine if we learn to ask better questions and how are you doing? Because we do that. I did that with you this morning. Instead of going, how are you doing? Say, hey, has Brooks done something that just drove you crazy? Or what did Brooks do that made you go, I'm his dad, it's awesome. So, you know, but I want to get real specific because a lot of people are saying, Man, how do I get these kids virtually connected if they're on a the computer come this fall? Well, we're going to come up with more and more ideas. But one of the things is called one at a time, Phil. I mean, imagine me I got 25 fifth graders in your class, 25 high school kids in your class. And if we were in the classroom, I love to say you're sitting in rows. Let's just go up and down the rows and just say, tell me one thing about you. Boom. And the first time they do it, kids don't say much. They're like, um, I was born in February. And the best thing, if you're in a classroom, write five or six possibilities up on the board for the kid who gets stumped because they're nervous. What's a favorite music group. If you go to a concert, what would you go to? And who would you take with you? Or, you know, which of these places would you go? Would you go to a pro basketball game, a concert or a rodeo and see what kids say, let them choose. But virtually you might do that as well. Put a list of questions up on the whiteboard and then ask kids based on their spot in the boxes on the deal. You call them out by name and just say, Hey, tell us one thing about you um, that most people don't know. Imagine you said Brooks is a fifth grader. What if his teacher did that? And he might say, I was born in Tennessee. Well, somewhere in that group, there'll be another kid go, I was born in Tennessee. Yeah, the 25 kids or has a relative lit there. So I thought it'd be pretty cool is if you did it the first time, kids are like, ah. the second time you do it, maybe two days later, you do it. Kids are gonna have a better answer. By the third time you do it, they're going to get real creative. Another version is a dream. What's something you want to do someday? A little kid, maybe they're not going to say that. But, man, you get a high school kid, and when they feel like it's safe, they're going to go deeper. But here's the thing. I was playing with this. What would happen if you said to the class, pull out a piece of paper and write this down, write this person's name down, and then what's one thing that they said about them? Because at the end of the week, Friday, I'm not going to give you a test on academics. I'm going to give you tests on relationship. And I'm going to give you the name of 10 people. And you have to write down one thing about each of those people I give you that you learned from this week. And it's an open book test. So you can look at this because if you don't write it down, you're going to forget. But if you do write it down, because I'm not going to ask you all 25 or 30 in the class, I'm going to ask you 10. So you have a chance. And that to me would cause number one, awareness. Number two, connections. All of a sudden the kid goes, man, I love ACDC too. I love those guys. And, and all of a sudden you have kids when we do come back to school, they walk in the class thinking, I got to talk to her. I want to sit by him.
0: I love that Phil. I think that's so powerful. And, and you know, it goes back to those connections, those relationships um, and just getting to know one another on a, on a personal level. And that was something that I, I think it's important too from the teacher's perspective to be willing to share your personal story, um, both the good and the bad. Yeah. And so instead of just saying, I like to travel, I would always share pictures and videos of the pizza that I ate in Italy, of the bratwurst that I ate in Germany, of you know something I saw when I was out in Idaho. Because so many kids, they live within a 10 mile, five mile, sometimes even smaller radius of their city in their hometown. And that's all that they know. And so I want them to see, you know, I had kids, I taught about 45 minutes north of Nashville. I had kids that had never been to Nashville. And if they went to Nashville, that was a huge deal. Right. Yeah. And Nashville's a great town. Don't get me wrong, but there are some freaking crazy towns that you can go to all around the world. And so how can I create those experiences and create that curiosity of, man, I wonder what it's like to ride the subway in New York city right? And I think to tag team that with making sure that they know where I came from. And I never had anything handed to me in my entire life. Um, You know, and I'll share a story sometimes when I'm working with educators and sometimes when I'm working with kids. In 2008, 2007, 2008, I took a job coaching junior college baseball making $10,000 a year, right? And I, I look back on that now and I was chasing a dream that I had. And and so money wasn't a huge, you know, I I didn't have a kid um, at that point in my life. And so it was a chance for me to go out and chase something. But I think it's so important to know that I don't have all these opportunities because they were handed to me. I have all the opportunities that I get to do because I went out and I created those things. And I think it's so important for our kids to understand that those possibilities exist.
1: Yeah. And I think by doing that, it helps kids get beyond stereotypes. I think that Um, whatever you, when you look in the mirror, whoever's listening, what stereotype does the world place on you? Your skin color, your neighborhood, your height, your athleticism, your beauty, whatever it is. And how can you help kids get beyond that? Because I think when students feel like they wanna learn from you is when they feel like they're connected to you. Lori, my wife, um, when we first got married, she goes, Phil, I, I have this dream, and I hope I can do it, someday I wanna to go to Spain. I said, why? My Spanish teacher went to Spain and she came back exactly what you're saying, Phil. She told us about it all the time, these cities she visited, these monuments, and and so our 20th anniversary, we spent three weeks and we went all over Spain. We didn't go on a tour. We rented a car, man. We drove, we went. It was amazing. And she said, I could have never dreamed it would be this good, but it was planted as a high school junior, like you're saying, Phil. And I think for teachers to share that is pretty cool because like you said, I've been talking to kids in LA and never been to beach. And you're like, wait a minute, it's like 10 miles that way. You can ride the city bus, but it's just not part of their, their, their mindset.
0: So true. And yeah, those types of things are, it, it's crazy to me. And I, I think about going back to New York city, there are students, even elementary school kids that'll ride the subway to and from school. And it just, you know, I freak out about Brooks walking past eight houses to get to the bus stop, you know, yeah. and, and my little suburban neighborhood here in Minnesota. And they're like literally kindergartners that I've seen on the subway riding to and from school in new york city violin
1: or their basketball they're just carrying life yeah yeah
0: yeah it's all about perspective and it's all about you know a lot of times tara and i will call it the parent lottery and what you were blessed or in some cases unfortunately not blessed to be born into but then what do you do with that situation and and where do you take that situation and what are you going to do with it are you going to be a victim you're going to be a champion
1: yeah. And it gives kids a mindset to see through your eyes. I think another one, a lot of people know the activity, two truths and a lie. And I think that's fairly easy to do on a virtual classroom where you just have kids write down three things. And maybe they hold it up on a piece of paper and the class can read it. And then every kid has a piece of paper and they say, for Phil Campbell, I'm going to circle the one that I think is the lie. You know, I think he lied about uh, being an Atlanta Braves fan. Nobody is an Atlanta Braves fan in the 80s. No way, you know. And um, somebody else might um, say, oh, my my lie was I broke my arm in a car accident. And they're like, no, you didn't break your arm. And then the kids laugh, but – what are they doing? They're developing a connection, but they're sharing part of themselves. So I would say go back into your archives and remember some activities you've done in our staff. If those of you guys that go to our website, we have a thing called staffily builders where we videotape 12 different activities you can do with your faculty in a meeting. Well, six of them can be done virtually. And one is called Win, wish or worry. And you just ask people to share one of those three things. What's something a win? what's a wish or what's a worry. So you can do that with your students. Imagine you're sitting there and your kids, they get to pick one of the three and then maybe two days later, they do another one. And the third day you might get a kid that says, I'm really worried about my older brother because boom, you jot that note, get that to the counselor at the high school. Maybe you're at the middle school and they check in with that kid. We, who knows I do this with my staff all the time because as life is moving, it's pretty interesting. So that one's called when wish or worry. And uh, pretty pretty simple, pretty easy to use, but it's powerful in terms of connecting people.
0: And what I love about that, Phil, is you're talking about using it with the adults because to go back to something you said earlier, how you doing? The answer is always, oh, I'm great, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great too, you know? And the world could be falling down around us, but that's always our answer for, for whatever reason. And so that activity gives the adults on your campus the opportunity to connect and to share some of their personal lives Because if we don't have the same planning period, I rarely see you, right? And if I do, it's just that quick passing in the hallway of how you doing great, how you doing great, like whatever. Um, So to create, intentionally create those opportunities for you and I to connect on a personal level outside of curriculum, outside of pedagogy, all those types of things, I think that's huge in creating that foundation that we need to have to have that positive culture on our campus.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because later today I'm going to do a podcast or a – a Facebook live with a corporate group and he wants me to talk about mentoring um, these college kids. They're just about ready to go into the real world. I'm going to talk to him. What can you do to bring value to the relationship? And I'm going to talk to him about the word wheat, W-H-E-A-T, like wheat bread. When you're in a conversation, I like to use a word as an acronym, like where are you from? What have you been doing lately? The W then H is something else. So it'd be interesting if, If I was a leader listening to this and I want to go for a walk with someone, I'm going to ask, what are the questions I want to have in mind? Because how cool is it if I'm an administrator and I want to interview a new teacher and I'm trying to figure out, let's just go for a walk. Meet me at the school or meet me here. We're going to have an interview, but we're going to walk the track. Or it's raining that day, we're just going to walk the halls. We can still be six or eight feet away, but I can ask you questions, like you said, that are not academic, but give me a peek at who you are and how well you connect because uh, my buddy, John Becker, he said, I used to love to watch. I said, how'd you hire such amazing teachers? He said, cause I would ask him questions like, what are ways you connect with students? And he said, how do you have fun with students? So if you created some acronym out of weed or whatever you want that you kind of follow that line, well, you can do that with your colleagues. You can do that with students. And just because sometimes we're like, what am I supposed to ask? Well, how many people on in an interview have a piece of paper with questions? I'm like, come on, man, we can be better than that. But if we have the acronym, W, I always say is W-H-E-A-T. I love to people. What do you get excited about? When you see a look on a kid's face, what excites you? A is attitudes. How do you deal with your attitude? When you come on campus on a bad day, T is travel. Or when you have free time, what do you do with your free time? And all of a sudden, this person says, I love to garden. I love to shoot baskets. I'm not playing a basketball game. I'm just shooting. So it, it just gives a little structure to that.
0: So powerful. And what you're saying, and I agree a thousand percent on that. I always say I can help you become a better teacher, but I can't teach you how to love kids. Like you're either a genuine, authentic person or you're not. And so those questions that you're alluding to there really give you some insight into who that person is as an individual. Um, Because again, we can do things. We can work on things to improve and to strengthen your pedagogy and your deliveries and your classroom management and those types of things. But at the end of the day, it's most important to me as an administrator, as an educator, and as a parent to know what type of person are you, what type of person is going to be standing in front of those 20 25, 35 kids in that classroom, you know?
1: Yeah. Mark Schumacher was a guest on our podcast recently. He was a teacher for 12 years and then he became a comedian. Well, he was becoming, he actually got on America's Funniest Comedians, almost won the thing. I think he took second place or something like that. And he was talking about, he says, sometimes kids bring great energy into the classroom. And he says, you don't want to stifle it. You want to learn how to use it. Some of you listening are not funny people. That's just not your nature. But can you find a way to allow kids even virtually to be funny? Hey, guys, who's got the dumbest joke? One of my buddies has cancer right now. And he says, don't call me and ask me how I'm doing. Call me and tell me a joke. He said, that's what I need. And I wonder how many you're like, yeah, what would happen if you said to kids, hey, bring a joke. And then you pop them up, take them off mute, and they tell the joke. You know, what do you call a dog with no legs? It doesn't matter. He's not going to come to you anyway. You know, and all of a sudden people are like, man, it's stupid. What did the carpet say to the floor? Don't move. I got you covered. I mean, you're like, come on. We got better ones than that. But all of a sudden it creates this energy in class where kids don't want to miss. They want to be part of it. And it can be as simple as, I mean, I just Googled stupid sports jokes, you know. Why does a pitcher only um, lift one leg when he throws the pitch? Well, because if he lifts the second one, he'll fall. You know, just stupid stuff. But can you imagine it just brings a smile to kids' faces in class? They want to be part of it.
0: Especially in this virtual environment, you know, um, the, the little things like that. We're, we're on a Renaissance call with some of the Renaissance community on Tuesdays. And one of the days, Steve Bowler directs that for us. And one of the days, that was the first thing you had to talk about was you had to, you had to deliver a, a dad joke. You know, and it's just a way to kind of break up, break the ice, break the monotony of all the zoom meetings that we're doing right now and, and all that crazy stuff and everything. Um, so no, I, I love that. I, I think that that's absolutely awesome. My son's principal, his name's Mr. Idstrom. Um, every single day he puts out announcements through a YouTube link and every single day he has the joke of the day on it. And it's usually something corny, um, uh, just like what you're saying, but, and, and Brooks will laugh, but he shares it every single day. And so he's making that connection, you know?
1: And one of the things Paul Doles was telling me this recently, I said, Paul, you're on everything. You're on every Facebook live, every deal, man. What do you do with all this stuff? He says, I'm feeling, I got 10 years left in my career. I'm building a journal because I can't use it all now. He said, but can you imagine guys, so many cool things we're learning right now, journal them, write them down. And in about six months, you're like, dude, I have nothing today. Flip it open and see what came up. And maybe it's dad joke. I mean, Steve Bowler's awesome. Love talking to that guy. So much energy just on zoom you know you hear him and i think there's so many people doing amazing things out there but so phil we're gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon because you and i we could talk for a couple more hours and most people are like zoom fatigue i got phil fatigue man so what is your last thought or two as we wrap this up
0: you know i, I think we use the term in education a lot lifelong learners yeah and i think now more than ever that term really applies. And so, you know, it's a, it's a huge challenge. And like we alluded to earlier, we've all got our personal lives that are going on as well. And so I would just encourage educators and leaders to once your school year ends, whenever that's going to be, some have already ended, some are ending right now, some are ending in June, give yourself some time to just pause and to reflect and to just be right? Don't just transition straight into this, into this 2021 school year. But then once you do, I would encourage you, I would challenge you. Let's put that lifelong learner mantra, you know, to the test. And what are we going to do? It was a struggle, this virtual learning because basically we went home on Friday, everything was fine. And then by Sunday night, all of a sudden school was canceled indefinitely. Right. And so we've been kind of going on the fly. Now we're going to have a little bit of a time to prepare And so I would challenge you to how can we take whatever it's going to look like to the next level to where we can be the absolute best educators, the best administrators that we can be um, for our communities, for our fellow teachers, and then most importantly to me, for our kiddos, the young men, young women that we serve every single day.
1: Yeah. I'm going to echo that. My daughter worked in a large corporation, very, very loved corporation. She got hired to be their We care and give back coordinator, managing 28 people all over the world to try to get their employees to give back to their own communities. They pay them like eight hours a month to go do stuff, give blood, coach soccer, read in classrooms. And she told the CEO, she goes, I love the idea, but you have to go first. He says, what do you mean? She goes, if they see you do it, they'll do it. He goes, all right. Well, sure enough, as soon as he did it, It went up like 500% how much people are willing to do it. So any superintendents who are listening right now, I ask you, please go first, because many of you are like, you're year-round workers. And even if you're not working, you're reading your email every morning on vacation before your family gets up. If your staff, even at the board office goes, wow, she or he is taking a week or two off, um, they're going to go, okay, I can too. But if the superintendent is doing it, doesn't quit, that has assistant superintendent or the deputy or the directors have the courage to take time off to tell their principals or vice principals or staff. But if the superintendent says, look, we're going to have a no contact week unless there's an emergency from this day to this day, we're shutting this thing down. Because when we come back, it's going to be challenging. And um, I saw a superintendent in Washington do that recently. And I, I, on Twitter, I was like, yes. And she didn't shut it down, but she said, hey, folks, this is exhausting. I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. So I was so thrilled. And so if, if you're a, a key leader, people are watching you. And I, I had someone say, you got to realize they'll never do 90%. They'll never do more than 90% of what you do. If you're picking up trash on campus, they'll pick up 90%. But if you're willing to take a break and say, we're going to shut this down for a week or 10 days, it may be the healthiest thing you can do for your community. So, one, of my, one of
0: my favorite quotes from a movie, Phil, is from Remember the Titans, Attitude Reflects Leadership.
1: Yeah, Captain. Yeah, Captain. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're, you're spot on with that, my guy.
1: Yeah, so, hey, those of you listening, uh, we appreciate you stopping in because, you know, we're on Zoom. We can see each other and Phil's smiling. I'm smiling because this is just good juice. And, um, so if we can do anything to support you, um, you can join our school culture by design, um, Facebook page where about 1500 people are sharing ideas. Phil, how do they get in contact with you? The people on my site, what would they do if they want to track down Phil Campbell?
0: So I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dr. Phil Campbell. And, uh, yeah, I would love, love to connect. I always love connecting with other educators, other administrators, and, and just people that uh, want to do what's best for kids out there.
1: Yeah, and I've seen this guy speak. He was a guest speaker at CATA this year, and it was just I couldn't write fast enough. He is full of ideas on climate and culture, and you can't find a guy who's more positive, at least most of the time. I'm sure your roller coaster has has dips in it, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never met my buddy Phil Campbell before, I encourage you to reach out because he's a rock star, so. Thank you guys for listening, and
0: uh, we will talk again. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room Podcast series. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, if you do me a huge favor, if you would rate it, subscribe to it, and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well. Chase your dreams, kids.